Alright, welcome to another episode of the Shared Pages Podcast with me, Ronnie. And I'm Ian. And every month we alternate between which one of us picks a book and then we talk about it. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's the show. Uh, so this month, for the month of December, was my pick. And I picked one, now to be fair, this was one that I picked by the recommendation of Ian. Uh, It's called Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata. And I believe you saw it because the 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 Olympics? Yeah, so I was setting up a table. Well, okay. I really like Murakami as a writer. And I was setting up a table for the Olympics in Japan at Mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble. And I was like, what other Japanese authors are there? Because I don't Besides manga artists. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, looking for... I, I, I had made a list. I was like, like, I want men. I want women. I want stuff that's not just fiction. So I had, like, the table kind of be diversified. And she won a pretty prestigious award. I can't remember what it's called. The a- Aku Tagawa Prize. Um, In Japan. Yeah. It's a literary prize. And I... Meant to, I was like, I'm gonna read this because it's like fairly short and it'll like diversify my reading. Yeah, it was only like, I think it was only like the version that we had was only like 100 pages all said yeah. and it was like 102 pages. So it was very quick. I think I read it in three hours. Yeah. Like in one sitting. The audiobook I listened to was three hours long. Um, And honestly, that's all that it needed. It could have been, I, I mean, I think honestly it could have been a longer book if she wanted to write it that way, but it worked for the length that it was. Yeah, I actually wish there were more pocket-sized books being published. Mm-hmm. Like even like The Worm and His Kings that we read was like another pocket-sized book. Yeah, and I feel like, uh, I think next month the book you picked, you don't, have, don't say yet, no yeah. spoilers, but it's also short, right? Um, I think. I feel like I remember yeah. you saying that. Yeah, it's also short, yeah. Um, and I, I honestly kind of like it, especially if we picked this, I picked this one because I knew that you were already interested in reading it. It sounded interesting enough to me, and we knew we were going to be gone for like half the month of December. For family stuff, obviously. Happy holidays, if anybody is celebrating right now as well. Um, So this was perfect, I think. Yeah. Although it was not really, like, a Christmas vibe. It actually, like, like, so I go through phases where, like, I'll be, like, looking at other people just living their life. I'm like, God, humanity fucking sucks, right? (laughs) Oh, okay. And after reading this, I was like, I was like, man, humanity sucks. Scrooge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No. But... It, it's parts a, of society do. Yeah. yeah well, because it, it's a it's a commentary on society from the point of view of a neurodivergent woman. Yeah. So I'll just uh, I'll kick us off. I don't know if this is gonna be as long as our normal one. No, because it's, it's so short. Yeah. Like I don't know if we're gonna do the full hour, but you know. Uh. So yeah. So this book, convenience store woman, follows the main character Kiko Furukura. Uh, which, there's a lot of U's in there, so I have to actually think when I'm pronouncing it. Furukuda, and she's a 36-year-old uh, part-time worker at a convenience store. Which I always I think is funny that they kept calling her part-time. Um, yeah. Because from my understanding, she was working five days a week, at least eight hours a day. So that's full-time to me, but maybe they just mean part-time in the sense that it's not, like, a career job. Yeah. Right? Where it's, like, an I, office job. I pictured it as, like... In America, I don't know if this is true in Japan, 
But you usually have to work over 30 hours a week to get your benefits that are like healthcare and stuff. So I picture them as her working five days a week, but maybe like five hours a shift. Oh, gotcha. And she, well, she's the morning shift, so for sure. Yeah. She gets there, but it's a 24 hour convenience store. Yeah. So it's not really like. How many of those do we have in America? Like, 7 Eleven is no longer. Or maybe it is now. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, basically, essentially, they're like our gas stations. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, those are open basically 24 hours, right? Yeah. I mean, there obviously are some that aren't, but I have said it before, I will say it again, Japan and other Asian countries have really mastered convenience stores. Like, they are amazing. Yeah. I love that. When I was in Japan, like, I loved I, the food from there. You know, you could get everything and anything that you could possibly want. It's amazing. Um, but anyway, so Kiko, she's working there. She's working there for 18 years. Yeah. She basically got this job when she was like in college and has just decided like, Oh, I like working here. I like, and it's early on established that she is, uh, essentially, I I don't know if they ever say autistic because I don't know if she ever got a diagnosis, like a diagnosis, but She's definitely neurodivergent. That yeah. is like a hundred percent for sure. Does she have some thoughts where you're like, <laughs> yeah, like there's a scene where she's like visiting uh, her sister who just had the baby, and the baby's crying, and she has the thought like, well, if you want the baby to stop crying, there's like an easy way to do that. <laughs> yeah. Kind of implying that she would like harm the baby to make yeah. it stop crying, and she doesn't understand and- like why her sister wouldn't. They talk. She talks a lot too about. Like, even, you know, most of the plot revolves around her enjoying working in this space, but it, it's more of how she views the world um, and how the world views her. So she spends a lot of time explaining her childhood. So she, like, talks about how a boy was, like, teasing someone on the playground and everyone was like, stop him. So she just, like, clubbed him. What did she club him with? With, a, like, a trowel? Like, yeah. a little gardening shovel? Yeah, and, like, knocked him out. And then, like, they had to stop her because she was going to, like, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, what the fuck is wrong with this child? She was, like, eight or something, yeah. I think, at that point. So she, she just, she, you know, she doesn't understand the nuance of, like, when someone says, stop doing that. It doesn't mean make it stop permanently sometimes. Yeah, like, she has, she has issues reading social cues yeah. and understanding, like, social dynamics, which is why when she gets this convenience store job, she's like, oh, okay, this I can understand because they have, like, a workbook that you have to follow. There's certain phrases that you are expected to say to the customers when they come in. They're like, what do you say when they leave? Yeah. You have to make sure that at this time you restock this shelf. So she kind of, like, leans on that as, like, oh, if I follow these rules exactly, I become a useful cog in the machinery of society. And nobody, and one of the things she's very aware of is, like, she knows that she's different. So she's, like, she's, like, when I do this, no one bothers me about the way I am. Right. Um, So, like, she finds that when she gets this job, she's found, and except basically like an acceptable niche where she can exist and people won't bother her as much. Yeah. Um, But then at the the start of this book, basically she's 36 now 
and she's starting to realize that her convenience store job is no longer seen as acceptable, in air quotes, I'm doing Mm -hmm. air quotes here, acceptable to those around her. Yeah. Because they don't see it as it's not the adult thing, or like, she's a grown woman, she should be trying to like, get married, have kids, like, why is she not doing these things? It's weird. Like, why would you want to work at a convenience store? Mm. Um, and take care of yourself, basically. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, basically it starts with her awareness that She's, like, the only thing left from when... The, she she was one of the first people to work at the convenience store when it opened. And everybody else has kind of moved on. And the convenience store has changed, but she's, like, it's still the same because we still follow the same protocol. But the convenience store at the beginning is understaffed. Something that I thought was interesting in this book is... I think, I think it's close to the beginning. Uh, she talks about it. About how, you know, she's seen so many managers and employees come through the store. But she was, like... Even the the people that were only there for, like, a few months, there might be, like, a piece of them that lives on in her, what her speech pattern or maybe, like, a phrase mm. that she says or, like, a way she styles her hair because she, like, very carefully watches everybody around her and then tries to mimic them to seem more normal. And I thought that was interesting because I feel like, in a way, I feel like we all do yeah, that. Yeah. Like, I think I say things... That you say just because we like live together. I'm sure you also picked up patterns from me that maybe you didn't have before, you know. Yeah, yeah. We started dating. Um, and like in our friend groups, we like pick up like, you know, phrases that we say. But she like looks at it from a more analytical viewpoint. So she's like, oh, I noticed like this college student has a very casual way of speaking and people are very like open with her because of that. So I'm going to try and mimic her speech pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something, I mean, like it's just kind of, I think the way you learn how to, you like, you start with your parents and then you start, assimilating the world. Yeah. We're basically all just copying each other. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so the the convenience store is short staffed, and they're hiring new people, and they have hired a new guy named Shirahara. Shiraha. 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 Um, yeah, it's like <laughs> my brain was like aha the band <laughs> at the end. Uh huh. Um, and he's kind of the way I imagine him is like he's in his thirties too, I think. I think she does say he's like a similar age to her. He might yeah. be like a little bit older. Um, I imagine so. him like. Not exactly, like, homeless-looking, but just kind of, like... The way she describes him makes him seem so disgusting. Yeah. she Like, his teeth are yellow, he kind of smells, like, his hair's kind of greasy. The way I imagined him was, like, the kind of person who looks dirty and, you know, is probably homeless, but you can tell that they haven't been that way for too long. Mm. There's still, like, something in them that is, like, the way, you know... You can tell, like, a dog has been taken care of at some point, or an animal that has been lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shows up late to his first shift. And so in, in her head, she's like, this man is fucking trash. He's messing with <laughs> the, the fabric of the convenience store. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, basically, she begins, like, like the manager, and I can't remember the other woman's name at the convenience store, the older woman. Oh, yeah, I can't remember her name um, either. But they, they put her in charge of training this guy, essentially. And this guy immediately, like, once the manager leaves and he's alone with her, he starts being like, 
wow, is he really fucking big in his boots for a convenience store manager? And he starts, like, talking shit. Yeah, essentially, like, just talking down about anybody that would want a convenience store job. But uh, Kiko, in her mind, she's like, I don't understand. Like, he applied for a convenience store job, and yeah. yet he's, and here he is at this job, but he's, like, talking down about it. And she tries to, like, confront him about it because she's, like, so confused. Yeah. And he's just, like, he. it's so funny. He just keeps referencing the Stone Age. And he's, like, well, you know, a man should, like, provide and blah, blah, blah. And she's, like, I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> what the hell are you talking like, about? Like, this guy is just rambling. I don't get Like, she already has trouble well, understanding social cues. And then this guy, she's just, like, I don't get it And this is all. something, like, he's a really easily dislikable character. Mm-hmm. But I do think he's interesting because I think he has thoughts that if he could put them coherently would matter. And if he could put them in a way that is not offensive to everyone around him, he could say something interesting. But he it, it reminds me of when you see people like, you know, nobody wants to be home. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they people try really hard to not be homeless. And sometimes the world just keeps, like, kicking you and mm-hmm. kicking you and kicking you to the point where, like, you can no longer deal with the stress and the burden and all that. And I don't think he's there yet, but I think he's gotten to the point where his in his head, he's like, nothing has ever gone right for me and nothing is going to go right for me in the future. So he's, like, cyclically telling himself that he's right, even though he's making problems worse for himself. Right, yeah. Oh. And he definitely seems to have... In my opinion, the vibe I got from him is, like, you know the people that will, like, repeat, like, sensationalist, like, rhetoric, like, sensationalist headlines, but they don't actually do any research on their own kind of thing? But they're just like, that headline agrees with my predisposed bias that I already hold, so I'm just going to keep repeating it. And he kind of has that kind of vibe. Because I think he is a sad character, not only in that he's, like, uh, like annoying and rude, but in that when you see the way he's treated by his his brother's wife. Yes, his brother's wife. His his sister-in-law. Yeah, she's very rude to him. Mm-hmm. And probably he's done stuff that has pissed her it off. It seems like, historically, he's made some not great choices. But instead of people being like, it, we don't know if they've done this, but instead of them mm-hmm. being like, hey, you need to, like, work through this, we need to, like, talk about this, they just, like, beat him, beat they up They just, like, him. berate him. Yeah. I mean, all we see is the one interaction, because, again, this this book is only a hundred yeah. or so pages long. Uh, so we only ever see that one interaction, and then everything else of his story we get told from him, which I'm assuming he's kind of an unreliable narrator just by the way that he's described, so... Yeah. Um, but, you know, he he doesn't last long at the convenience store. Also, yeah, he doesn't last long at the convenience store. He gets fired because he takes a customer's phone number yeah. from when they ring out and then tries to start stalking them and is, like, waiting outside the convenience store for this woman because he is, like, obsessed with, like, finding a girlfriend and getting married because that's what society is telling him to do. And he's like, I have to do it because I'm a man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but he's doing it, he's going about it in the creepiest, the creepiest way possible. Like, he's not actually trying to find a, yeah. you know. Um. But yeah, so he gets fired for that. And then, essentially, he starts hanging around outside the store. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, Keiko notices him. And she's like, um, what are you doing? Yeah, she, like, like sneaks up on him. It's so funny because I feel like, you know, as a woman, if you see this creep that you know has stalked women in the, in, women in the past, I would not want to approach this man alone. But as we've said, Kiko does not know how to read social cues and is not really familiar with societal, like, behavior. So she just goes up to him and she's like, what the fuck gonna, are you she's, doing? She's like, what are you doing? You're gonna get in trouble if you come here. And he's just like... He's like, ah! He just, like, yeah. freaks out. Um, but she gives him some coffee, and she gives him some tea, and tea. he's... And this he, is, he drinks it and then complains yeah, about it. Yeah, like, this is one of the things that makes it so hard to care about him, is that, like, when he's shown sympathy, and I don't think she's doing it because she's sympathetic. No. But, I think she's doing it because she's curious. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck is up with but, this guy? But she essentially gives him, like, free tea and free coffee, and he just complains about it instead of being like, oh my god, I... Somebody actually, like... Was nice to me. Sat down, asked me about why I'm doing this, yeah. cared about me, gave me a meal, you know, like, he doesn't care about that. He's still rude to her when yeah. she does this. And I, um... This is where I think, you know, is, like, it's really depressing to see him, because he... he's He starts rambling about the Stone Age and, like, like the traditional family values... But, like, he's he's so lost in, like... He's making an interesting comparison that the way society is structured now is just Stone Age values with, like, modern gloss on top. Mm. But he says it in, like, the most condescending and rude and unnecessary way mm-hmm. that doesn't hold any weight. Like, no one's gonna listen to him. Right. But, like, he's like, you know, uh, I need to get married... And I want to get married to someone rich because I have an idea for a business. And if I start a business, I won't have to talk to people anymore and society will leave me alone because society's only treated me poorly. And Keiko is like, we can get married. <laughs> yeah, Keiko's like, oh, you want to get left alone? Actually, I want to get left alone too. And she has a scene before this where she meets up with some of her friends from college. Yeah. And all of her friends are, like, getting married and having children, and they're, like, pressuring her to do the same, and she's just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, because, like, they don't, they're not satisfied with me just working at the convenience store anymore. And then she is talking to this guy, Shiraha, and she's like, I have an idea. Why don't you just move in with me? And it makes sense to her to say that. Because all she wants is the appearance that she's doing what society wants. And then she'll be left alone. And she and it's weird to me that her sister, who is another character, doesn't get worried at all. Yeah, I mean, it really, that scene does show, I think, that a lot of times in society, even in our own interpersonal relationships, if somebody says something that is just the answer that we are wanting to happen or expecting to happen, we're willing to just brush them off and be like, oh, okay, so yeah. everything's fine. Because, like, prior to, like, Keiko, she asked Shihara to move in with her. He comes and moves in, and then that night she calls her sister and she's like, I'm living with a man. And her sister's like, oh, thank God, it's about time you found somebody, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't ask any questions about how how did you find this man? How long have you known each other? She just is happy that Keiko is seemingly conforming to... So, And I feel like that does happen, where if, like, you know, 
you would tell your friend group or your parents something and they just like maybe were worried about you and you're just giving them an answer that they would want to hear so they just don't push for anything deeper because they they want it to be what they want it to be basically Mm. um so i actually thought that was like a really important scene because then it isn't until later that her sister's like wait wait a second what you just met this guy what this guy doesn't have a job he's living in your bathtub like what the fuck like it's not until she comes and like sees the guy that she's like oh maybe i shouldn't have just this is like an example of like, if you... It's almost Spring Awakening. Like, if you don't teach people the social cues, and not necessarily, like, every social cue matters, but, like, like in general, how society functions, and, you, like, so even if they don't naturally grasp it, they understand it, they're, you can be taken advantage of. No one's ever taught her these things, so she has no idea that maybe he's taking advantage of her. And it's interesting, too, because so he he starts living with her and essentially he's like, okay, you can tell people that like we're dating or living together and that we're going to get married. And then and then he's like, all I want from you is to be able to stay in this apartment and not talk to anybody. And she's just like, okay, uh, that works for me because she's basically like, is he taking advantage of her? Because she could be she's the one who suggested it. Yeah. And she is kind of taking advantage of him, too, but the only thing is she has the job and is paying for everything. Yeah, like but blah, 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 not so. only that, and this happens a little later, but he tries to force her to get a better job to fund his own interests. Yes, yeah, um, that's definitely when he's taking advantage yeah. of her. Um, but that's the end of the book, so I'm just trying to remember if anything... I don't know if anything else really happens between... Well, okay, because, yeah, she tells her sister... She goes to, like, essentially a barbecue party with, with her friends, mm-hmm. and her friends are like, yeah, you should get married. Um, and Yeah, she tells her friends that she's living with this guy who doesn't have a job and is, like, not really, like, yeah. like supporting her at all, and her friends are like, you know what you should do? You guys should have a baby. And yeah. I was just like, what the fuck kind of messed up advice is that? <laughs> if you're in, like, this room, you're in this, your friend comes to you, they're like, yeah, this guy's living with me. He doesn't, like, contribute it at all. He doesn't really seem to care about me. And they're like, you know what? You should definitely have a baby together. That will make it way better, so. Yeah. Um, but she, basically, like, he has a idea for an online business, but he needs some capital to start it. So I he, don't even remember what his business he, was. If they he, even save He is. says, I can't tell anyone that I don't want right, to be Right, he doesn't stolen. want them to steal his idea. Um, right. Yeah, but he's like, so you should try and find a better biz- a better job so we have more money. But also, he's, he does tell her, like, you know, if you had a normal job, a normal job, air quotes, mm-hmm. then people would also think you fit in better. Right. And they'd, like, be yeah. more likely to leave you alone. So, like, basically, he hangs out in the bathtub in the apartment and... Um, Watching Netflix all day, I assume. <laughs> no, no. he. They say he's filling out job applications for her. Oh, for her at this point. Yeah. yeah he starts filling out job applications for her. And he makes her quit the convenience store. Yeah, which immediately like and causes an existential crisis in her. She immediately like goes into essentially a depression because she's had this job for eighteen years and she like 
she was like, well, the only reason I went to bed on time is because I had to make sure I was awake for my shift. And the only reason I ate food because I had to make sure my body was healthy to go to work. And the only reason I ever, like, worked out. And so she essentially just, like, sleeps all day and doesn't do anything because she's like, what's the point? I'm not doing anything. Like, the convenience store was all that I had. So, like, yeah. why would I do anything? And... Shiraha basically just, like, doesn't care? Or he, like, never asks her about it? He's just like, oh, you're asleep still? Yeah. Like, he's never like, are you okay? (laughs) And I mean, I think this is also an example of, like, you know, when you have two people who have different... I don't know how... I don't know if I would describe her as sick. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's sick at the beginning of the story. I think she's different. He's sick, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a, a... she comes from a home that at least tried to help her get have some kind of success in the world. Right. Whereas he has just kind of been, like, you know, beat, beaten again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have two people who have issues um, with no oversight, mm-hmm. they can sometimes, like, have, like, a compound effect. Right. And make each other worse. Right. Um, which is what ends up happening in this. So... So he starts like forcing well he is a he he does these resumes for her, but then he forces his interview on her. Yeah. So she goes to this interview with him, and it's like the first time he's left the apartment since Yeah. Yeah. Then. Um and uh they get essentially to the location of the interview, but they're early. And he's like, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. And she sees a different convenience store over there. It's like the same chain where she worked at, but in a different, different. location. Yeah. And she walks in and she's like, oh, the symmetry. Mm-hmm. Everything is the same as my store. And look at the uniforms. And look at, they're saying the phrases that I remember. And then she's like, but wait, the sandwich cooler. It, it should not be organized this way. And she goes and she starts like organizing stuff. And then people are like, uh, ma'am. But she's like wearing a suit for this interview. So they think she's from corporate. Yeah. <laughs> and also they're so busy that like, they're just like happy that someone is fixing the problems for them. Yeah. Honestly, that last, uh, bit where she's like, you know, helping and she's like, she says she can. He, the store is speaking to her. Yeah. And she's like, the store is telling me what it needs. And she's like, essentially fix it up, and she fixes displays and, like, restocks things. And honestly, at that part, I was like, why doesn't she just try and become a manager in well, her own right? I, I, think, or... I think that's, like, the saddest part of the story, is that she she has all of the skills, and I, and I think this is this is an example of why her boss at her store well, actually seeming like a generally decent guy, like, he always thanks her for the work she does mm. and stuff, is not a good boss because he doesn't recognize that she has all of the skills to move up a step or in the chain or whatever. Right. Um, Maybe not a manager because I guess she, she, if she tried to interview somebody, I could see that not going well. Yeah. For her, like, but, but like an assistant but, daytime manager. Yeah, or if she did get something corporate like, a corporate position where she would essentially maybe just be, like, go and check stores Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, did they meet this requirement or something? Like, I think she'd be really good at that. It's sad because she has all these skills and no one has ever, like, and people are like, if you had, you know, if you had a day, a full-time job, you would just be, like, another person in society, which is what she wants. And no one recognizes that she has all the skills to help 
in a right. bigger way. So she just keeps working this like part time beat that pr- doesn't pay enough and is like you know makes her happy, but no one no one is pushing her in a healthy way. Everyone's pushing her in like a toxic way, mm-hmm. and her boss is the only person who really should have the view of her that is like, you can take another step if you want. Right. Which is what to him, what makes him, to me, a... Like, he's not toxic, but he's, like, not a good boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she starts, you know, she cleans up the, uh, the second convenience store, and Shiraha comes in, and he's like, what the hell are you doing? And she basically is like, yeah, she's basically like, Shiraha is like, no, what are you doing? You can't do this. And she's just like, actually, you can't live with me anymore. <laughs> she just like, I think she walks out of the store and like looks at her reflection in the window and she sees that she's like smiling because she's like, oh, I I understand now. My purpose is to work at the convenience store. Yeah. And then that's how the book ends. Yeah. That's it. Uh, well, she, she, yeah, she, like, chooses to find a new convenience store. And I was like, I hope she, what her actual thing is, instead of finding a new one, is that she starts her own chain. Oh, that would be, that would be cool. Um, That's the thing about short books, too, is, like, we don't really know what happens next. You know, it could be left up to the imagination. Maybe she goes on to bigger, better things. Maybe yeah. she... Maybe she just gets her job back at the community store and she's just happy. Yeah. Like, and I mean, like, I think what this book shows you is, like, it takes all different kinds of people to make things run. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you put me in charge of a job where I had to run numbers all day, I could do it, but I would be, like, insanely ill. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be deeply unhappy. Mm-hmm. But if you gave me that same job or a job in that same company and told me, like, to be in charge of, like, branding or something, I could probably have fun with that. Mm. Um, but then, like, the stress of that also for me, too, is, like, there's no... Like, branding either works or it doesn't. Yeah. And there's no, like, check mark for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, it's, it's a commentary on, like... Not conforming, yeah. basically. Or, well, I mean, not necessarily not conforming, but just how, like... It's when like, society pressures you to conform, that in itself can be kind of unhealthy. And maybe we should just let people choose their own path of happiness instead of yeah. forcing, you know, our well, normal ideals on them. It's like an example of find find your like what skill set do you have? And you can always develop more skill sets if it's something you need and something you want to pursue. But what do you have and how can you make it work with the stuff around you. In a way, I guess it is a kind of a weirdly uplifting book. Yeah? Yeah. Not in the way that you would expect uh, normally, but, you know. And like I said, it was a very quick read, and I would, I mean, I would recommend it if somebody was asking for, you know, like a novella. I'm interested to read more of her stuff. This was the first one that first trans- translated into English. Mm. And it's been translated into 30 other languages. Oh, okay. Now, um, really, does she have anything else in English right now? She does. Um, Books in English. There you go. Convenience Store Woman, Earthlings. This is another one I saw of hers. Oh. And Life Ceremony Stories. Okay. Um, Earthlings sounds interesting. Yeah. Just um, the name? I don't know anything else about it, but... Yeah. And I think I think this is... I don't know if this is something that's like a cultural difference, 
But a lot of Japanese writing that I've read seems to deal less with a plot that is like, I need to get my characters from point A to point Z, mm. and more with like a philosophical dilemma that maybe cannot ever be fully resolved, but it, it's like a transitional time in someone's mind. Right. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I liked it. It's like, for me, it was like four, three and a half, four out of five stars. Yeah, I mean, I'd give it a... I do out of ten stars here, so I'd, I'd probably give it like six out of ten, mostly not because I think it's bad, but it's just not my usual preference for reading. Yeah. But I think it's very well done for what it is. Yeah. And it definitely accomplishes what it is seeking to accomplish in in the short span of it. Yeah. So. Um, but there's not... I mean, I don't know what else. There's not much else to say about it. it was I mean, short, that's sweet. it. Yeah, it was that. That's the whole book. Yeah, that's it. Like I said, I think it took me like three hours total to read. Very, very quick. Um, yeah. Uh, so for next month, yeah. Uh, what January, do you got for us? Uh, I have another horror book, and I I actually tried to pick a another one by uh. Uh, Holly Piper. Haley Piper. Haley Piper, mm -hmm. who wrote The King and His Worms. But the other books by her are much longer. Mm. Um, I But The King and His Worms does have a sequel coming out. Oh, There's okay. going to be two more. It's going to be a trilogy. Nice. Um, but so I found this book called The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Lavelle. And it is 160 pages long. Uh, it's another cosmic horror story. All right. Yeah. Um, and it takes place, I believe it's like 1940s New York. Um, he's a, the main character is a hustler, um, and he has not like a magic suit, but like, he's kind of like got the commentary of like, if you have a nice suit and stuff, you're like, you can fit in anywhere. Um, but, uh, he ends up stealing an occult tome, I believe, and causing some kind of, you know, eldritch terror. All right, Eldritch Terror, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that'll be our New Year's book. New Year, starting with some Eldritch Horror, perfect. Well, I mean, if you think about it, but, so New Year's is another year around the sun. And <laughs> the sun is the closest thing we have to a cosmic horror. You can never look directly at it. At some point, it's going to shoot radiation out that's going to kill every living being on this planet. Um, sometimes it has sunspots, which are like weird arms reaching out in space oh, towards boy. Earth. Okay, yeah. The sun's a nightmare. The sun's alive. Yeah. Uh, and like not a, in the way you think. A big demonic eye. Anyways. Alright, so the next month, the, the Ballad of Black Tom. Which, just looking at it right now, one of NPR's best books of 2016, won the Shirley Jackson Award, which I believe Haley Piper also won. I think so. Um, the British Fantasy Award, uh, Novella of the Year, a finalist for the Hugo, Nebula, Locus, World Fantasy, and Bram Stoker. So apparently it's good. Nice. And we will see you in the new year. Yeah, we'll see you in the new year. <laughs>